0: Valentine's Day is reserved for those in love. It's a day celebrated with heart-shaped chocolates and roses. While there are millions of romantic love stories revolving around this holiday, there are also disturbing and horrific crimes that occur on this day as well. Today, we will be looking at a tragic Valentine's Day murder that involves an incredibly horrifying and callous murder weapon. This case is shocking and disturbing. Let's talk true crime. Hello and welcome to Hell No, a true crime podcast with your host Lauren Lucio. I'm sure many of you know Valentine's Day was last week. I'm, you know, that was no secret that happened. Um, personally, I don't celebrate it. I have no strong opinion on it either way. Don't love it. Don't hate it. Uh, but if it makes you happy and it's something you like to celebrate, I think that is wonderful. And I hope that you had a great valentine's day and if you're like me and you don't celebrate it well there's nothing really to say there is there (laughs) some of you may have noticed i'm i'm sick again yep i'm sick again but i'm showing up and here we are so in today's episode we are going to see that in 2017 valentine's day brought out the worst though the worst in one man, uh, and and he had separated from his girlfriend, and he was a horrible, 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 horrible human being. This man is rightfully in prison. I'm just going to say that right now. He is in prison, and I'm very thankful for that because he is incredibly dangerous. Incredibly dangerous. So let's start from the beginning. A hardworking and wonderful woman named Ellie Tran found herself divorced in her late 20s slash early 30s. I couldn't really pinpoint exactly when she went through her divorce. She needed a change of scenery, so she moved to Virginia, to a small town called Virginia Beach. It can't be easy starting over, but Ellie, she she seemed to be on track. She had goals and ambition, and she wasn't afraid to work two jobs. Hell no, she was out there doing it. And she wanted, she, she had dreams and she was trying to make these dreams come true. She wanted to own her own home. And she was saving and working and saving and working and saving some more to, to do this. One day, Ellie and her mother, they attended a wedding. Beautiful wedding. Everybody's having a good time. And at this wedding, you know, they don't know everybody. So at this wedding was also a man named Joseph Merlino the third. He saw Ellie and he became infatuated, obsessed, if you will. And I'm sure he thought it was love, but like we see a lot of the time, he actually craved control over her. I, I don't know, I'm not a psychologist, but I feel like people like Joseph cannot tell the difference between what they love and what they love to control. They, I feel like they don't even know what what real love is if I'm being honest after this case is just it is it's 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 horrible. Back to the wedding though of course, Ellie she didn't know she didn't know this, and I'm sure that Joseph was very charming and sweet. He did whatever he had to do to lure her into this web. Ellie at first, she wasn't interested, but apparently his efforts were i'm gonna say overbearing, and he was just so persistent, which is terrifying. Um, He was so persistent in getting her phone number that she eventually gave it to him. And I mean, reading about this, I'm like, I'm scared already. Somebody who is persisting, not listening to no, not respecting what you're telling them. You're like, oh no, you know, I don't give out my number. And they keep going and going and going. Fuck that. But, but people like this can be charismatic. They can be funny. They can use humor to get what they want. So maybe he wasn't doing this in a creepy way. Maybe he was being funny and doing funny things and they had some drinks and then maybe after a while she was like, okay, here's my number. I don't know exactly how it went down, but from what I gather, it was something along the lines of, he liked he saw Ellie, he became obsessed. He wanted her phone number. He was very persistent and she gave it to him. So in my mind I'm like there is no way Ellie would give her number to somebody who is, you know, being um pushy, persistent and and creepy persistent, which makes me think he took the the humorous way. So this is how their relationship started. And it must have had some good qualities because by 2014 her and Joseph they were expecting a baby together. This should be an exciting and happy time for the couple, but it was anything but that. Joseph was abusive in every sense of the word in every way possible. He was controlling and verbally, physically and mentally harming Ellie to the point police reports were made. Eventually restraining orders are taken out and Ellie, she had to get out of that relationship before something terrible happened. She knew, she knew that he was capable of something terrible. Ellie moved into her own home and she had her baby and her parents moved in with her as well and things were, things were going good for Ellie. One day when Ellie was leaving the nail salon she worked at, something incredibly disturbing happened to her. Ellie finishes work for the day. She gets in her car and she starts to drive away when a vehicle behind her bumps into her. So it seems like, oh, oh no, I've been in a little fender bender. Or someone's bumped me. I better get out, assess the situation. You know, it seemed to be a small tap, but still she had to stop. She had to get out and look. You know, she probably thought she was going to talk to the driver. If there was nothing wrong, they would both carry on. If there was, they would exchange insurance details. You know, that's what she probably thought was happening. But this was a ruse to get her out of her vehicle. When she got out, Joseph Merlino got out of the car that had bumped her. He was wearing a wig, like a woman's long wig. He was wearing a woman's dress or or like women's clothing and he had something in his hand. He ran up to Ellie and he flung, he threw what what was in his hand at her face. Luckily, Ellie turned her face and her hair acted as a shield. And um oh, this so good she was wearing her hair down. Her hair burned off where the substance touched it. But it didn't get on her skin. It didn't get on her face because her hair took the majority of the substance. Joseph Merlino had flung acid or some type of caustic solution in Ellie's face. Yeah. He did um, he did flee the scene, he did run away, but I believe Ellie's friend was there and she was a witness to this and his disguise it didn't really do him any good because they knew it was him. His disguise didn't do him any good and Ellie was able to take out a restraining order on him. So I'm sure, I don't know. I feel like not enough happened at this point. Why he wasn't arrested for attempted murder right then and there I have no idea why is he not charged with something after flinging acid in somebody's face I just I don't know and if you can't tell by the tone of my voice it makes me a little bit angry because had he been arrested then and there the next part of this case wouldn't have happened this incident was so traumatizing and scary to Ellie that she felt incredibly unsafe and I mean rightfully so that is so scary the restraining order meant nothing to Joseph. Of course, it didn't. It just made him more angry and more dangerous, and he felt like he was losing that control over her that he needed. So, and, at, and around this time, they were also going through a custody battle for um, the child they had with each other. Ellie put up security cameras around her home in an attempt to protect her and her family. Because she had no idea what Joseph was going to do next. So she thought having these cameras would would offer some type of protection. Um, She knew. She knew he wasn't going to leave her alone. This brings us to Valentine's Day 2017. Ellie finished work that evening and drove home to her family. She had no idea someone was hiding in wait for her. And this was all caught on her security camera and this footage is haunting. It is just terrible. The video shows her pulling into her driveway. She parks and she gets out of her car. It is dark around this time. It is evening. And as she's walking up to her home, up to, the, up to her door, down her, her pathway, a man appears. He runs into frame. You can see this man run in. He makes contact with her. And then he darts off. So he runs in, he does something that touches her, and then he runs off. And Ellie is left screaming in pain, and she's jumping around, but she's still standing. She's still talking. So it doesn't look like there's any immediate harm, but something has happened. She is in pain. Something's happened. Her mother can hear her screams, and she runs out to see what's going on. Ellie is frantic and saying a man had just stuck her with something and she was holding her leg. Ellie didn't know it at the time, but what she had been stuck with was a vintage stainless steel syringe filled with a poisonous compound that ensured her painful and agonizing demise. Ellie is still able to walk and talk immediately after the attack, but once she goes inside and her mother calls 911, things take a horrible turn fast. Whatever was injected into her was destroying her nervous system at an extremely rapid rate, and her lungs were filling with fluid. She was foaming at the mouth and went into a seizure. By the time emergency services arrived, Ellie was unconscious. She was rushed to hospital, but there was very little that could be done for her. Uh, And by this point, she had lost brain function. So she was brain dead. Doctors had to figure out what she was injected with. And through toxicology, they get their answer. What they found was a mixture of cyanide and dimethyl sulfoxide. The cyanide on its own would have been an almost... Guarantee to end her life. But the fact it was mixed with this dimethyl sulfoxide meant whoever did this did their research and wanted to make sure that Ellie would never take another breath. Cyanide is a horrendous poison that is potent and deadly and fast acting. It kills in an incredibly inhumane and torturous way. This is absolutely a nightmare. Uh, This is horrific. The dimethyl sulfoxide ensured that the cyanide would be absorbed 100% into her system. It left no room for error. So the cyanide on its own would have done the job, but whoever did this, they wanted to double down and they wanted to make sure she died. Ellie was put on life support, but she had no brain activity and doctors said she never would again. The next day, Ellie was taken off life support and died. An autopsy had to happen, and the medical examiner knew the risks. Given the high amount of poison Ellie had been injected with, her body was incredibly toxic and deadly, and the medical examiner and technicians, whoever was around during this autopsy, they had to wear respirators and along with other Um, personal protective equipment as even the air during the autopsy would have been contaminated enough to poison whoever was in the room the air that's how much poison was used this was a vicious and violent way to end someone's life and police knew exactly who hated Ellie that much and was that unstable and willing to do this for revenge Within a couple of days, police take great precautions while entering Joseph Merlino's property as they believed he would have plenty of dangerous and life-threatening possessions. They even suspected that he was making bombs in his home and that he had poisons. So they, they weren't sure what they were going into. They had to be extremely cautious while entering his property. Luckily, police did everything right and nobody was harmed. Joseph Merlino was arrested, and because he was seen as being so dangerous, there was absolutely no way he had the option of bail. Police also believed he was planning to flee the country, given the evidence found in his home. Let's have a look at uh, what police discovered in what I could imagine was a disgusting, grime-filled home. I don't know why, I just think that his home was very unkept. I honestly, I expected... Um, this to be a, a longer list. I expected to. I expected the police to find things like pipe bombs and barrels of poison and caustic substances. But as far as I know, those things were not found. Whether police just didn't publicly report that, I'm I'm unsure. Um, but I remember hearing the evidence that was found in the home and thinking, oh, I I expected a lot worse. What was found was Joseph's laptop. And this is where the prosecution gets their strongest evidence. In the search history of his laptop, investigators found that he had been searching things. Uh, He had some alarming searches just a few weeks before the murder. Uh, And these searches were in the nature of how much cyanide does it take to to kill someone? And... um, just other searches about cyanide in general, perhaps learning about where to get it and its effects. I'm unsure, but there was quite a few cyanide searches. Investigators could also see he searched on Etsy for vintage stainless steel syringes. Investigators say he bought the syringe, uh, but he didn't have it mailed to his home. He had it mailed to a pizza shop. At that pizza shop, a worker confirmed Police's suspicions and said that Joseph had been in there a lot, like every day, until one day he left with a package and he stopped coming in every day. So that leads police to believe that Joseph went on Etsy. He found this vintage stainless steel syringe. Why he chose that, I don't know. He had it mailed to the pizza shop, not to his home address, collected it from the pizza shop upon delivery. So he had to be there to make sure it was getting delivered and left. And then he didn't come back. So he was there every day. And then he just stopped coming once someone saw him leaving with this package. So I think that pretty much sums things up. Another thing investigators discovered on his computer was his relationship with a woman in China. Apparently Joseph had a online girlfriend and he was trying to convince her to be his alibi. And I'm not really sure how this was working out because whether or not she knew what she was you know supposed to be an alibi for I, I don't know he was giving her times to message and leave emojis and I would guess that's to appear like they were engaged in a conversation or whatever uh during the time of the murder but this it it didn't work didn't work for even a second. Joseph had even purchased a plane ticket to China, and I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe it was uh, for the day he was arrested. So it was really good that police got him when they did. Otherwise, he would have fled the country. That woman in China, she should thank her lucky stars that he never made it because I doubt his violence ended with Ellie. This makes me question why Joseph did what he did to Ellie because one he clearly had moved on he had a girlfriend two he was planning to leave the country so he didn't kill Ellie to get their child because he didn't buy his child a plane ticket he only had one plane ticket so that brings me to the haunting conclusion that he committed this crime out of pure hate pure hate because he couldn't control Ellie anymore he couldn't allow her to live He he didn't want her to live anymore because he couldn't handle their rejection, which is just so dangerous, incredibly dangerous. So Joseph, he is denied bail. He wasn't even allowed bail. Bail wasn't even in the question for this guy. There was just too many things that could go horribly wrong if this man was free. While he was in jail awaiting trial, he starts writing letters. He writes a letter to his mom. He writes a letter to his girlfriend in China. And he does this using some type of code. The letters are, of course, looked at by police before being sent anywhere. And they notice that they are very suspicious. These letters are very odd. The letters are given to the FBI who can then break the code. And apparently this code was Incredibly easy for the FBI agent to crack, as it only took her a few moments, so couldn't have been that hard of a code. In these letters, Joseph was trying to set up a plan so that his mother and his girlfriend would be his alibi for the night Ellie was killed, which this gets even weirder, and his alibi gets even more shot to shit when he gives his alibi in court because it's completely different so I I don't know we'll talk about that in a minute 16 months later in June of 2018 the trial begins and Joseph he starts pulling some weird shit the first thing he does is a hunger strike but he didn't really have a cause he just said he was on a hunger strike and he stopped eating I think he was just like I'm just hunger striking I'm not sure he he did he did plead innocence he said he didn't do it so Who knows what he was doing, but he went on this weird hunger strike. And it was believed he did this so that he could drop a lot of weight fast because, remember, he was seen on camera jabbing Ellie with something and then running away. In this video, he wasn't wearing a mask, but he did wear a reflective vest to try to blind the cameras with the reflection, which I saw the footage and it didn't work at all you could his like it, it didn't work it didn't work he was not a, a, a blur of reflection yes he was wearing a reflective vest and the vest vest was slightly reflective but it didn't it didn't blow out the image at all it speculated that joseph thought he could drop a lot of weight then the jury wouldn't believe it was him in the footage so they'd be like wait a minute this guy's a lot smaller than that guy but the thing is Joseph, he wasn't even close to being a big guy to start with, so I don't see how this plan would have worked. He did, however, lose 40 pounds, and then he stopped his hunger strike when the trial started, which I think tells us what we already knew. The second incredibly bizarre thing he did, I will talk about in a moment because it happens around sentencing. So during the trial, the prosecution, they go over the crime with the jury. They inform the jury about the evidence found on Joseph's computer. They talk about how he looked up cyanide and syringes. They talk about how Ellie was killed with a cyanide concoction and it was injected into her with a syringe. And they also show the jury the security footage. Joseph, he actually speaks for himself at this trial. And he says he never made those computer searches, even though it was proven to be on his computer. He said someone he worked with did these searches, which didn't seem to track at all since the prosecution proved it was his personal computer and not a work computer. He also swore up and down and all around that he was never at Ellie's home the night of the murder and he had nothing to do with it. He claims he was 250 miles away visiting his brother in a place in Virginia called Victoria. He and his brother said that Joseph hit a deer while driving there and ended up being stranded for a few days uh, in the Victoria area between the 13th and the 15th. 15th so the 13th the 14th and the 15th he's saying he was there with his brother however no car repairs could be discovered and also an investigator who looked at Joseph's cell phone records could see his phone pinged off towers 250 miles away in Victoria, but only on the 13th and the 15th. The 14th, however, had no cell phone activity and therefore pinged off no towers, which was the night Ellie was murdered. That means his own cell phone couldn't prove he was in fact far away from Ellie the night of the murder. What it could prove was, yes, he was possibly in that area, like the Victoria area, uh, uh, far away on the 13th and the 15th, but the 14th, there was... Nothing to show. So I don't know. I thought he, I thought he, why, if he had, if this was real, and this was a solid alibi, that was real. Why were there no car repairs after hitting a deer? Why was there no police report for hitting a deer? And why was he trying to get his mother and his girlfriend in China to be his alibi and writing secret codes to them? Okay, doesn't track. The trial didn't last long, and the verdict was... Joseph was guilty of first degree murder. So even the jury was like this is a no-brainer. Weeks after the verdict, Joseph was healthy. So going through the trial, he was healthy. He, you know, he he even did an interview saying that he planned to appeal after the verdict was read to him. Um he wasn't showing any signs of sickness at all. He was healthy and standing and talking. But the morning of the sentencing hearing though, actually <laughs> Let me rephrase that. One and a half hours before the sentencing hearing, Joseph came down with an unknown condition which doctors couldn't figure out. That morning, Joseph, who was hours ago fine and healthy and walking and talking, suddenly couldn't do any of that. He had to be brought into the courtroom in a wheelchair, and there's footage of this. I've linked it in my show notes. There's so much footage of this. And he is really overdoing it. He is laid back in this wheelchair. He's got a blanket covering him. Um, He's trying to appear like a frail old man, basically. And he's shaking his arms under the blanket as, as if he's convulsing. His head is craned to the side and he's like spitting and drooling and foaming down the side of his face again, doctors can't explain this sudden illness, it's not poison, he didn't inject himself with cyanide, and and the only thing, you know, doctors are like, he's physically fine, but the, the best thing they could come up with is that it's a stress thing, I don't know, it is highly, highly suggested that, um, Joseph was faking to get out of the sentencing and that did work but for only a couple days. Eventually he was brought back in the courtroom a couple days later having these same the same condition that doctors couldn't figure out and a few days later he was sentenced um, which makes me think the judge wasn't buying this medical sudden medical convulsion foaming thing either. Joseph was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Ellie Tran. And remember, this is in Virginia, and I looked it up. I was like, what is life? Are we talking 25 years? What are we talking about? And I found that a life sentence in Virginia means 60 years must be served before parole is even an option. So, wow, that is that is life. That is 60 years' is life. Joseph will most likely never be getting out of prison alive never I think he was in his 30s when this happens maybe he could be I don't know 91 92 when he gets out of prison if he lives that long Ellie Tran's parents they were able to get full custody of their grandchild and they they will do everything they can to keep Ellie's memory alive not only for them but but for her daughter Joseph must have harbored so much hate and violent urges towards Ellie to do such horrific things to her. And the fact he chose Valentine's Day to murder her was not lost on anyone. That concludes this week's episode if you want to stay updated with what's happening on the podcast such as notifications announcements things like that then follow hell no a true crime podcast on instagram or tiktok that is hell no underscore a true crime podcast thanks for listening and see you next week